Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to A View from the Bullens in partnership with the Fitzrovia Bell London, our official away day pub for all Evertonians. And fanscapes.co.uk, made by fans for fans. Hello and welcome back to A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Michael Ball and Ben Winstanley. Guys, it's it's been a bit of an indifferent summer. We've took a couple of weeks off, but we're right back at it now. Lee, pre-season is now over. The pre-season fixtures have, are finished. We ended the pre-season fixture with a 4-0 defeat at Old Trafford. Do you think we can maybe look into pre-season a little bit more than people are or should we maybe just take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt and think, you know what, it is only pre-season? <laughs> wonder why you come to me first, mate. Um, listen, I don't know. What, what a crazy pre-season it's been. It's nice to be back talking about Everton, but just everything just seems a little bit crazy at the minute and negative. Um, right from the off, you look at the, the Florida Cup, you know, you get two two of the teams pulling out and it just ends up a tournament between us and someone else. Um, so it was all a bit up in the air. It seemed a bit like a pointless exercise going over there. Um, you know, but we managed to get a couple of wins and and win that tournament. Uh, so you take the positives from that. Good fitness exercise, good, good bonding opportunity for the the new players coming into Mari Greytowns and Begovic. And then I just thought yesterday's fixture against Man United was just such a strange one to organise a week before the, the campaign's due to start, away from home to a arguably a, a title contender for next year with Richarlison out, Calvert-Lewin out and obviously we had foresight of that possibly being the case, certainly with Richarlison. I just thought it's it's a bit of a strange one because it's not it, that's not good yesterday for our confidence. I know everyone's going to say it's a friendly and the result's not the most important thing and it's all about fitness and stuff and you know it's just, to a certain degree that's correct but a 4-0 hiding seven days before your first game. 
with a lot of the players who are who are going to start against Southampton for me is a bit of a, is a bit of a strange one. Um, so it all seems a bit flat. You know, there's not been any big name introductions so far. I know we've still got a little while to go, and you, you know you don't know what's going to happen this week or beyond. But I, I just it's it started off this summer with Benitez coming in. That's always going to divide the fan base. The financial fair play restrictions as you know, really sort of taking the wind out of our sails a little bit. You know, people thought that Rafa was going to come in and, and be back to the hilt with the millions that his predecessors have. You know, that's not turned out to be the case. So we're heading into next Saturday in a very, very odd position. But I suppose if you look at it from another angle, we sort of thrown away Europe last year. It was probably, it was more difficult not to qualify for, for Europe. And in the end, that's exactly what we did. You know, it was sort of in our hands for a long, long time. And that was with the squad that we have now. Um, minus Damari Gray, Andros Townsend and, and Begovic. So you could argue that perhaps we've gone a bit stronger. But on the flip side, we've got players who are a year older again. Uh, it's still the same group of players who have been, you know, there's been doubts cast over them for, for a number of years now in terms of attitude and ability with a lot of them. So... It's a, I've said on Twitter this week, it's a massive week ahead. Um, I'm really, really sort of confused, despondent that we're heading into another season with, I'm not, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not pointing Seamus Coleman out, it's just one example, you know, him starting a right back when it's been evident that we've needed to replace him for three or four years now. It, it's Again, it, it's just frustrating and you can see why people are getting, um, you know, the knickers in a twist over it. But a week's a long time in football. It could all change. And then, of course, after that, we've got up until the, the end of this month to do a little bit more um, work on the squad. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But in terms of pre-season, it's, it's not one that's going to live long in the memory as a positive one to be an Evertonian. It's, it just seems all over the place, Mick. Mm. Bully, I just want to go back to the, the 4-0 defeat at Man United on the weekend. I mean, I was at the game. I, I don't think it was a 4-0 game. I'm not saying Everton were great because they were far from that. 4-0 did flatter Manchester United on the day and Everton did have some chances. But just, you know, the aftermath of that, obviously it's it's very toxic on social media after that sort of defeat, even in pre-season with it being so close to the start of the season. But with all due respect, it was kind of a threadbare team, wasn't it? We didn't have many options. The bench wasn't particularly great with all due respect. No Richarlison, no Calvert-Lewin, then quite a few squad players unavailable for the game. Can you, can you read too much into that, do you think? Yeah, you do because... You know the fans haven't seen the seen the lads for four or five weeks and get excited to you know to travel to a away game and, and and see the boys have a game of football and and when you sort of get embarrassed a little bit with a heavy defeat you know the fans are gonna show their anger um, but as a player yeah Lee spot on what he said in, the, in his comments there uh, preseason is about fitness but it's also about match rhythm. It's also about doing things that you're probably going to do throughout the season, what Rafa's told them to do, even when if the time is not right to do it. You know, say like myself, say uh, the fullback's doing an overlap when the overlap's not even on, but you're just doing it for your own body memory, your own fitness. And, you know, if they counter-attack you and they score, you know, the manager knows, the player knows, but just going, not going through the motions, you're just sort of getting your match fitness and your match rhythm up. But saying that, you also don't want to get embarrassed either. You know, there's, there's times and there's ways to sort of show your desire. You know, you've got to be 100% committed, even though it's a friendly. Um, you don't want to get any injuries, but you've got to try and get as much out of it as you can as a, as a player. Fans, I think pre-season have got 
seemed more and more important year on year. And unfortunately, this year, I was quite excited about this pre-season plan. Probably the only issue I had was there, was, there wasn't a game at Goodison uh, for, you know, for the fans to go and see. You know, the boys, especially you know, fans who haven't got season tickets, it's normally their chance to go and see the boys play before the season kicks in. And um, So that was my only sort of downside of, of our pre-season plan. But unfortunately, with Inter Milan pulling out with the COVID and then Arsenal pulled out, you know, that's really just disappointing. That's out of Everton's hands. And, you know, the club get paid to go to these tournaments. And, you know, as we know, we need the money. So we, the lads went. They would have got the bonding, would have been fantastic for the new boys to to, to find out what we're all about. Um, good for Rafa to get to know the players, you know, away from home as well. Um, so there was positives in that, um, but it hasn't worked out the way we wanted to. You know, the, probably would have liked to see a few more in-house games as well. Um, they're probably playing you know, against each other a lot, a uh, Finch farm to go through more, you know, Rafa's tactics. And yeah, the Man United one. Yes, you like to have a, a good a good competition you know, just before the season but you, you are scratching your head against you know at that one where Man United put on a bit of a show and majority of our players out you know, Richie's probably not going to be back for a couple of weeks still uh, as well um, but we're not the only club you know you know there's probably teams are, you know, who finished above us especially it seems like Manchester City you know, they played in the, the Chad Shield the other day and I think Rodri and a few players only trained a couple of days and they're involved in that game and World-class players, you know, don't get a lot of rest, unfortunately. And you know, we've got one at the moment with Richie, and you know, he needs to have a bit of a break. Um, but he's our key player; he's one of our key players. So we need to sort of look after them. But we need them to get back in that starting lineup as, as soon as possible. So hopefully, you know, he comes back from the Olympics, has a bit of a break, and he, he's fresh, ready to go. And um, and hopefully, he's here for uh, for the rest of the season because I feel that we do need him. Um, but yeah, pre-season games, the the difficult ones as a, as a professional, because you know there's fans there watching and you don't want to get embarrassed, but also you need to get as much out of it as possible. But unfortunately, the lads sort of let themselves down uh, against Manchester United. And I, I felt like no one wanted to shoot. I think they were just sort of passing passing the book a little bit. You know, they were passing the ball around edge of the box. I think the, the Corey had a couple of opportunities to shoot. Um, and, you know, we've got to learn that not to be too nice you know I think that's what we've been guilty of a couple of seasons when we play good football we seem to be too nice and not go for the, the juggler really and just shoot and pop the question and you don't know you know people make mistakes and rebounds can happen and you know if you don't take that opportunity you're never know, you're never going to know what you're going to get in the, um, the majority of the games especially in tight games in the Premier League so these are the little tweaks that Rafa's going to see and be able to question you know the players um, what they can add to their game and We'd love to see big signings come to the club. It hasn't really happened, but I feel Everton have probably played their card uh, quite early this season, this pre-season, by showing the outside world that you know the FAP is is on our head. So clubs can't sort of add another zero onto transfer fees that they've done in the past. And I think if anything's going to happen, it'd be very very late um, with us. But I'm sure Rafa. I think he had three or four meetings before he became manager. Transfers would have been spoke about, of course. Marcel Brands have his line of targets, and it's just the time of pressing that button. Yes, we would like to see them in right now, or two or three weeks ago, but financially, a lot of clubs cannot, cannot afford to to bring in big players through, pre, you know, Jordan preseason and pay them these these big wages while there's no you know season kicking off, and we've got a few weeks to go. Um, and I feel the club will bring in players. Um, but we've got to learn the lesson of if any of our players do leave, 
they can't leave until you know we bring replacements in and we've got to sort of act strong that way and that's up to Marcel and and the chairman not to sort of show the hand too early. Ben, pre-season, are you reading a lot into it or are you taking it with a pinch of salt? How good is it to be back talking about Everton? I've really, really missed this. Um, just on, on a side note, Mick, as well, I know we had our first event. Um, Bawley was brilliant. It was just so good to meet all the Blues, have a proper event. And for, for, I'm a, speak for yourself, Lee, myself, uh, Bawley, Snods. We had a great night. And it was so good to meet all the Blues. So I just wanted to put that out there first. Um, Everton's pre-season, as Bawley and Lee have rightly touched on, it's, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Let's be honest. Went to the Florida Cup, coming back as champions, which was all a bit of a laughing joke on Twitter, but it didn't help what Bawley said there. Obviously, into Milan pulling out and other teams pulling out. It just, just hampers a bit of your preparation. You clearly you have your plans in place to play different formation systems against these teams. And the fact that, obviously, the Florida Cup had to scramble around and find another team for us to uh, to play, which just speaks volumes of just how disastrous it's been. And obviously, COVID is still massive a massive thing that's going on in the world. But... Look, the games over there, we, we played reasonably well. I uh, thought Damari Gray looked exciting. Um, Moise Keane got a goal, Damari Gray penalty. Um, we looked quite defensively solid. Um, and then, obviously, you come back to obviously the United game that's just happened, which just starts off a comedy of errors. Um, obviously, Pickford made a bit of a blunder, which, look, he's been away. He's probably his first week back with the, with the club. He's made a blunder. It's kind of all the, all the press have been desperate all summer for him to make a blunder like that. And he did it when he's playing for Everton. But look, we got beat by Manchester United 4-0 yesterday, but we start the season on zero points. It was a friendly, it was about the fitness, but I do agree that we should have got some sort of momentum. And whoever has arranged that game a week before the season starts, just a bit of a mad one. Obviously, we played Blackburn in pre-season at uh, Finch Farm. Uh, we've played another team at Finch Farm as well, where we've come across apparently that we've won. I've watched the highlights for that game, and it, we look solid, look good. Uh, Gabamin looks solid. It's so good to see him grace a football pitch again, and hopefully he can come in and be the six that we, we desperately need. Because obviously yesterday we played some sort of four-two-two-two formation, and Allen and Decore in the midfield were just getting overrun, and it just they couldn't tell they were getting turned very easily. So. I still feel like we need a six um, to come and slot straight back in there. And we're still, why are we still talking about we need a right back? We've needed a right back, as, as Lee said, for the past three seasons. And we've said it on numerous podcasts, Coleman's been brilliant serving for this, this football club. But if he gets injured, you're looking at the likes of John Joe Kenny coming in to, to fill in. And the first 11 on paper is good. We had obviously Calvert-Lewin missing yesterday, Richarlison, um, Gabamon and Keane got pinged by the NHS app. Um, and obviously DCL's toe injury so you're missing a few first teamers you're playing a bit of like a, a false nine again yesterday it just probably wasn't the preparation that Rafa wanted to like introduce going into the game so I don't feel like that's going to be the starting line that we'll see next Saturday against Southampton um, I'm hoping DCL recovers from his toe injury because he is our biggest goal for it and Richarlison's our biggest goal for it and the, some of the chances we had yesterday it could have been quite easy, scored two or three goals. Um, I know Townsend at the side of the bar, Iwobi missed a glorious chance, Godfrey missed a header. So the chances were there, but we looked a bit shaky at the back. Um, but I think some of the reaction we've seen on Twitter is a bit uncalled for, Mick. Obviously, people starting to call out the manager again, early doors. And obviously, we've all missed Goodison so much over the past 18 months. I'm just so excited to go next Saturday. 
and just experience the Goodison Roar again. And look, if they can't perform for Goodison, because I feel like it's going to be a special atmosphere, it's going to be emotional, and I feel like the fans are going to get right behind it, uh, Everton. And if the players can't perform at a, a, an atmosphere and an event like that, then there's the door, it's time to go. So I wouldn't look too much into the pre-season. It's good to get fitness, fatigue, but I will I will agree with Borley in his comments by saying like you do need to sometimes get some sort of momentum going into games. And obviously with the COVID thing that's going around at the moment, it's going to be completely disrupted all through the season. So we need to start well, Mick. We really, really do. You've got Southampton at home next week. That's three points. Get three points under our belt and really start to kick on for this season because... It can change so quick if we don't get it right, and I'm just, I'm just praying to God we do. Bawley, I'm just gonna, just gonna stick with preseason. I mean, you know, obviously everyone's a bit down after the Man United defeat four 0 but Coventry City played against Notts Forest today and won two one. But before that, Coventry hadn't won a preseason game. So, does it affect the players preseason? Does it not? You know, obviously Coventry City didn't win a game all preseason. They've gone out there and picked up three points on their first out, and so how much? The players read into preseason, do you think? Not much. Yeah, it's look, it's it's nice to win. You know, obviously it's it's nice to play a game of football and always win. You know, that's what you'd always want. But it's as I said earlier, it's just about getting what you need out of that game. If I needed to work on certain situations, work on it while you can before the competitive kicks in. And that's what Rafa will be telling the players. I want you to try this. You know, it might feel a bit false, maybe the back four you know, staying up an extra 10 yards further than normal just to see, you know, can they do it? Is it possible? And you just try different scenarios. So you you are tweaking things. There's always a lot of changes, a lot of substitutions. So there's never really that much rhythm. Um, you know, and as a player, as I keep on saying, you just want to get out of it as much as you can before the season kicks in. Yeah, it's nice to win and have that bit of momentum, a bit of confidence that, right, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's get the season going. But it can also work in your favour of, being disappointed. Look, we haven't been, we've been here before. You know, we've had some disastrous pre-seasons in the past and it hasn't really made much of a difference with our starts. You know, and our start last season was fantastic. So, fingers crossed we can do it again. And as Ben said, look, we just can't wait to get to Goodison and, and cheer the boys on. And, you know, some of them players that have come to the club haven't, haven't had an opportunity to hear the Goodison roar, to get the, the crowd behind them, said cars blaring, the fans behind them before the, you know, before the game. You know, that's going to lift them. And that's going to give them a bit of a sharp warning that, oh, you know, these 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 guys are behind me now. I want to show them, you know, what it's all about. And and if you start to hide, then you know, we know the fans will call them out. So they've got to up their game. And if they don't want to be here, it'd be easy to to spot as the fans. But it'd also be, you know, <laughs> other clubs will be watching. So if you haven't got the right attitude, the right desire to play the first game of the season with a full crowd of Goodison, why would anyone want to buy you? So it's up to their own mentality, their own will and desire to put a performance in for the new manager and in front of you know, 40,000 at Goodison Park. So pre-season, you know, it's basically over now. Um, it, it is what it is. We've had worse pre-seasons in the past and it hasn't made much of a difference. Um, but that, as I said earlier, I thought the pre-season plan looked pretty good and it was nice to play against competitive games. I think Spurs and Arsenal playing today. Very Madrid are playing. Uh, AC Milan you know so the big clubs do play each other and that's what you'd like to see and hopefully we'll be a part of that in the future going forward you know we tried that this season just hasn't worked out for us and it's not the best preparation but you've just got to do as much as you can as a player listen to the manager listen to the coaching staff you know try and get on the same wavelength and then it's all about rhythm and it's getting to know your teammates and you've had that opportunity for a few weeks few players are going to come back 
hopefully in the fold and you know fingers crossed we get off to you know a winning start you know i'm taking my boy seven year old i'm going to put him through the <laughs> the whole everton way um you know he's, he's been a couple of times but he's going to be coming week in week in now so fingers crossed we get onto a good start because it, you know <laughs> be going on my own otherwise so it's uh you know, look, we're just so excited and just can't wait for the season. Yeah, it would have been nice to get a 100% record in pre-season. Good, good, you know, big names come to the football club. But how many times have we won the transfer window and it hasn't worked? You know, just because a player costs 25 or double figures doesn't mean he's going to be a good player. You know, you, we've, we asked the club to be cute and be clever. They have with a couple of signings and fingers crossed it, you know, it works out and, and fingers crossed they, they bring some more to the club before you know, the transfer window ends. So we know... You know the transfer window. There's always a mad rush, and fingers crossed we can we can get it right. But there's a, a squad there that starting eleven wise is is pretty good if they're all on form. Um, and it's up to you know Rafa to get the best out of that squad. Other managers in the past have failed, and now fingers crossed Rafa can do the can get not do the same, but can, can raise the game of more players. You know Carlo came in and got probably more out of Davis and DCL. You know, can can Rafa do it again and, and get more out of the players we've already got, and you know, get more minutes out of the other players we brought in, like Alan and Hammers. You know, if, if, if he's here, use his ability. I know Rafa said he, you know, he can go if there's a club suitor, but while Hammers is here, use him. You know, and uh, get the best out of him because if, as I said earlier on, if he wants to move to a football club, he's got to put performances for, for us while he's under contract at Everton. Lee, before we move on to Southampton and the transfers at the game against Manchester United on the weekend, there were a few sing-songs about Rafa Benitez and obviously, you know, derogatory comments and, and and things alike. What are your thoughts on that? I know it divides opinion and I know, you know, things like Twitter are a little bit toxic regarding who's right and who's wrong. What are your thoughts on it if fans are going to go to Goodison and, and not get behind Rafa? Um. Right, you've got to be really clear on this because you don't want to come across as someone who right, thinks like I'm, I sit on one side of the fence and my opinion is the only right one. That That's not what I'm going to say. I didn't want Benitez initially. I think I remember we had uh, the first couple of podcasts after you know the rumour started um, to, to afloat. And obviously it was a surprise. You know, it wasn't a universally accepted decision. It was always going to split the fan base, Rafa Benitez being appointed the Everton manager. I think as time's gone on, you've sort of accepted that out of the candidates who were available, he was probably the best man for the job. Since he's come in, he's conducted himself really, really professionally. I think he's represented the club well. He's said all the right things. He's certainly done nothing wrong. So the way I look at it is you don't have to like Rafa Benitez. You don't have to be all for his appointment. You know, behind the behind the scenes, you know, in your head, you can hate the man, you can do whatever you want, want him to fail. But going to Goodison on Saturday, like Ben and Borlish just said there, it should be an amazing occasion. We've been away from the place we all love for 18 months. That's a long time. The amount of times I've driven past that place in, in that time and gone, oh my word, and, and your heart like skips a beat and you think, what I do to be in there, you know, and, and you think about all the games you've been to and that. And to have that taken away from you, you know, like all fans have experienced across the country, it's been horrible. So I can't wait to get back. And the last thing that you should be expecting is to hear Evertonians booing a manager who, who's not even started yet. You know, the season hasn't even begun. 
give them a chance. You've got to see past this 10, 15-year-old Liverpool association. You know, like I say, you don't have to like him, but I think booing him, being vocal in your your discontent towards Rafa Benitez is going to, is not going to help the team. It's going to be counterproductive. It's going to cause a toxic split, divided atmosphere. And we've we've been part of that before. Um, you know, at the end of Silva's t- uh, tenure, Kuman certainly Allardyce, and Goodison Park. Borley will testify to this. You know, he's, he's he's played there. He's experienced it. When the fans are divided and they're not happy. It's a horrible place to play. It must be a really, really difficult place to play your football if you're an Everton player. Just as much as when it's when it's united and we're all together and we're you know shouting for a common cause, it's the it's the flip side of that. It's it it must be a delight to play in front of, and you know you, you must feel a foot taller, you know, ten yards quicker. You you, you can think of games, can't you? Think of the, the derby a couple of years back when Liverpool were going for the league. That atmosphere that day. There was no chance, no team, never met Liverpool, anyone else. No one was turning up and, and beating Everton on that day. It just wasn't happening. And we weren't in the greatest of form. So that's what a good, a, a positive, highly charged, emotive Goodison Park can do. So I just think anyone who's thinking of doing that, listen, I, I won't be saying anything. It, it'll just be a sort of roll of the eyes and, you know, I, I wish that wasn't happening. I, I I'm going to be getting behind the man. He's, he's, he's the Everton manager now. And until results start, you know, and, and who knows, this may not happen. But the only time I'm going to sort of start voicing my discontent is the same way as I've always done. Is, and that's if I don't see performances and, and effort on the pitch. You know, we can, all, we can still get behind players, even, even after a bad performance. If you, if you can see effort and application, you still get behind the team. But I think just to go with that, preconceived idea that I'm just going to boo Rafa Benitez and slag him off. Not for me. This is just my opinion, but I just think, no, um, you know, there's a limit. As I say, don't have to like him, don't have to be for the appointment, but the team on the pitch are not going to benefit from you turning up and booing and shouting, you know, fat Spanish waiter or whatever. It, I just think it, it reeks a little bit of immaturity for me, mate. Mm-hmm. Ben, do you share the same feelings as Lee on this one? Yeah, look, I just want Everton to do well. I don't care who manages us. I've said that on previous podcasts. I just want Everton to be successful. And I don't want anyone going there. You can have thoughts, you can have opinions, but we all want the same thing for Everton to do well going forward. I want to see Everton be successful. And look, we're in this mess. It's a lot higher than above. We're in an economic issue really badly at Everton Football Club at the moment because we've spent a lot of money and we're not making any money back in regards to league position. European football, Champions League football. So we spent big and we've ended up on this predicament. And I think now Benitez has been brought in to steady the ship and I wish him good luck. I don't, I'm not going to call him any names. If, if the football's really bad and it doesn't work, then I'm still not going to boo Everton Football Club because it's a club I've loved and supported my whole life. Um, but what I will not accept is players not trying for the share because that's just completely unacceptable. For me, you're playing for one of the, in my eyes, the greatest football clubs in the world. And people would die to represent Everton going forward. And I just don't think there's a place for any toxic emotions in Goodison Park, especially how bad the past 18 months have been. We haven't been there for for over 18 months. It's just not good in my eyes. And as Lee quite quietly stated, 
I, I won't be accepting any booing or any name calling because that's not what we're about. We're better than that. We're a family club, we're the people's club, and we're a club that I, I love and cherish so very dear. So, no, Mick, I, I don't want any of that at Goodison on Saturday. I feel like we're going to get a fair few. Obviously, we've seen a selective group of Evertonians doing it on Saturday. And look, who am I to tell you otherwise? I'm just a, a lad sort of who likes talking about Everton, but I just feel like day and age have been brought up better than that. Um, as Lee said on, on Twitter, quite rightly, a, a fella that said something bad about Everton 15, 20 years ago. Now he manages our club and he wants us to do well. Um, and I'll get behind him no matter what. Well, Lee, before we move on to Southampton and transfers, can it can it have a massive negative effect in the dressing room when you know the fans are against the manager and against the coaching staff? Or, with respect, do you, do you not really care as a player? What the lads have just said is 100%, 100% spot on. Um, and we know the negative sides of his appointment. Um, and that was my biggest issue, is the players' mentality. Because we've seen it before. Um, we've seen them hide behind managers who have took the fall, you know, Coombe and Silva uh, and Allardyce. And some of them players are still there. So I just didn't want the players to be pointing the blame to the managers again. You know, there's, you know, all disappointed Carlo left in the way he left, but, you know, before he left, he also said, I'm not a magician. So that was sort of a dig at his players. And at the he's tried to get the best out of them or whether they couldn't perform to his his sort of high standards. Um, the club have brought Rafford in and what the two boys have just said is absolutely spot on. I think he's come to steady the ship. I think he's he's a coach, an out and out coach on the on you know on the training field every day, and he'd be demanding of each and every player, and he'll know the players who will be taking that information in and trying to develop themselves and not just be happy to be a Premier League footballer because your career to be very short if you got that mentality. Yeah, you might have money in the bank, but you're not going to have many more performances in a blue shirt and one, and there's only one way down. That's it. You know, you'd be out the club and be going backwards your career be over. You know, Rafa then will have to judge who's listened to his information, who can take it on board and who actually can go out and do it. And, you know, we've seen much weaker Everton sides in the past, but they have showed will and desire. And that's what the fans like to see, bare minimum, is attitude and application. And and if they show the effort, the fans are getting, the fans will applaud you uh, and support you through and through. Um, so that what the lads were saying, you know, any booing or any, daft chanting it's not going to help anyone um, and, I, and I think it's, it's not going to help the players at all you know you just you want everyone to be on the same wavelength you want everything to be sweet and rosy really going into the first game of the season but you've got to take responsibility as a player you know I've been there in the past um, where managers are getting the stick and you, you might not get on with the manager not everyone could be mates in a football team but you've got to think about yourself and put your own performance in and trust your teammate does the same and has that same attitude and if you know ninety percent of the starting eleven do that, you you're gonna be on top and hopefully win football games, um, and that's what the players have got to do. And especially when they go and get tough, you know, you'll have good parts of the season, you have bad parts, and you've just got to look yourself in the mirror and go, "Am I doing the utmost? Am I doing everything possible with my ability and my desire, you know, to do what I need to do in my position?" And then if so. You know, get try and get the best of your teammates um, alongside you, and be a leader, and ask more from from each other, and that's what creates winning football sides. And having that mentality, uh, them type of mentality players, and 
I think in the past we haven't brought in many leaders or many players with that mentality of improving again, not just be happy to sign for the club and sort of be nice and comfy. Can I go again? You know, it's, it's, it's probably a bit of a daft example, but if you look at Aguero at Manchester City, he probably was comfortable, you know, top goal scorer a year on year, Pep come in and he made it very uncomfortable for him and improved him again and popped in the question, have you got the attitude to go better again, go better again? And that's what you want. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, if you're at low or you're middle, you just want to improve year on year, get more games under your belt. If you're the winger, how many crosses have you put in? Can you get more in this season? Set yourself little targets. And if everyone in the dressing room is doing that themselves and improving, you know, you're going to, you're going to improve yourself and, 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 Fingers crossed, improve as a team. So that's all you want, and that's all the fans want. And your fingers crossed, the boys will. I hundred percent. I think everyone who turns up against Barca Saturday will be on Rafa Benitez. And if you, or if you're not, just be quiet. You know, there's no point doing. There's no point getting on his back. Just get behind the boys and support them. We want to be coming away from Goodison Park happy, smiles on our faces, and that rustle and bustle of walking out of Goodison. They're all cheering, and that's what we all want. You know, if you're going to go to some to come out with a different attitude, you know, it, you know, it really puts a bit of salutation in your mouth, really. So, the thing is, I just got really believed that the, we haven't been there for 18 months. Everyone's excited to go, and I think the place is going to be absolutely bouncing. And hopefully, the players will respond and you get the three points. Let's mm, mm, hope so, Borley. Moving away, guys, transfers. Lee, I'll come to you first. I know it's been a bit of an indifferent summer. Not many outgoings and not too many in, in, incomings, shall I say. Obviously, Damari Gray, Andros Townsend and Asmir Begovic. Are, are you a little bit disappointed? We haven't been a little bit more active. I know we've got some financial restrictions on us at the moment and we're in a bit of a tight spot. But are you nevertheless a little bit disappointed that we haven't added a couple more at the moment as it stands before the start of the season? Well, yeah, I am disappointed in a football sense, Mick, because we need them. You know, we need a right back. We chronically need a right back. We need more attacking intent. Me and you have spoken privately, mate, and we 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 are seriously short of goals. You know, think of the amount of games last season where Everton had nil next to the scoreline. You know, that needs to be addressed. You know, with Richarlison slightly off it, with Calvert Lewins, you know, Eastgate's quite streaky. You know, there's not enough goals in that side, and that I don't think that's being addressed either. Um, obviously, there's frustration from the financial fair play aspect and I think that just comes in a wider sense from maybe a lot of the fans of the so-called other 14 clubs because you're seeing Man City spend 100 million on Grealish potentially another 100 million plus on Harry Kane Chelsea spending 100 million on Lukaku United are spending a lot of money again and you're thinking this it's one rule for them and another one for us now I know there's the argument, you know, we've made our own bed and we've got to lie in it. And and that is true, by the way. We have spunked so much money on absolute rubbish in the last five years and it's culminated in the squad that we see in front of us today. But it, I think it just, it asks another question of, of the game of football in England in general, where you can see teams doing what they're doing. Uh, and by the way, in the same time period, all these clubs have spent the same amount, if not more money than Everton have. And it just looks like we're we're operating in a, in, a, in a different country, almost in a, in a different sport, a different league. So I know you see a lot of comments, and there's the argument where you go, "Okay, these rules are in place. Why do we need to follow them?" You, you've you've seen the the big six in in inverted commas. I don't believe they're the big six, but that's what Sky call them. Um, do whatever they want. You know, I've said this before. They've they've disrespected the league. They've disrespected their own sets of fans. 
and got away with it. And and the, you know the, the, there were rules in place for that, and 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 these rules have not been implemented. There's not been any retrospective punishment for these sides. So there's an argument to say, Everton, go go ahead and spend. It's not like we haven't got the money; we just can't spend it. Um, but regardless of that, before the start of pre-season, you know the, the people at the club will will have known what our financial situation was, and despite that, we still needed to address these key positions. And the fact that we are now six days, less than six days now, from the Southampton game, and these key positions have, have not been addressed is a massive concern. And I think that's what's given a lot of Evertonians, you know, th- this sort of um, it, it fuel to the debate, so, so to speak. And, and I think that's what's causing a little bit of the negativity. I think if you, if you were to see a couple of high-profile players come in, you might there might not have been the attention on Benitez, for example. So, yeah, it's been underwhelming. But Damari Gray has, has, has had a good pre-season. I think he's... He looks exciting. He's always a player when we face him that I've, I've always thought he looks dangerous and, you know, he, he's, you know, likely to pop up with a goal or an assist. Um, and and he's what we needed. We've we've called, called out last season about the need for pace. He's got he's got it in abundance. So I'm quietly confident he's going to have a, a really good season for us. Townsend is another really good pro. You know, he, he's not the most exciting of additions, but you know, he's he's, he's fit. You know, he doesn't miss many games. His attitude spot on. Again, he, he can he can cross a ball, he can create, he's two-footed um, and he's got an eye for a goal as well. So I think that could turn out to be a good little addition to the squad as well. And Begovic is a proven Premier League goalkeeper and good backup for Pickford, which we we shown worked last year. So, you know, there are some positives, but you would certainly like to see some additions before um, before Saturday, ideally. But if not, certainly before the end of the month. Ben, how do you feel about the transfer situation at the moment? Um, well, we all know that we definitely need a right back, probably another right winger, um, centre mid, centre half. Well, that's as big as me arm, but obviously the financial implications that are hanging over the top of Everton are absolutely monstrous at the moment. And just to put into a bit of, a bit of context, you look at like all the past three years, this Premier League sustainability. Now, the Premier League aimed for clubs to obviously be in, in a total loss of £105 million over the course of three financial years. Um, so that's 18, 19, 19, 20, and now 20, 21. And you look at Everton's books and it, it, it's quite sickening, to be honest with you. It's Over the past three years, we're at a loss of around £210 million. And that's including the deductions of the stadium because we've been able to spread the cost of that out over the planned course of build and the £30 million that Usmanov's given us to have the first of the name and right. And before that, you're looking at £280 million. So that's of a loss over three years. So it's it's a lot bigger than some people are actually thinking that it is. It, it's absolutely massive. We've kind of gambled on the hope of achieving regular European and Champions League football. Mashiri came in, spent big. It hasn't worked. And now I think it's come to a head where we need to kind of lower wages. I think they're at about £135 million a year just on wages alone. And it's one of the biggest bills in the Premier League and we're getting nothing in return. Um, I understand the frustration towards the so-called big four, big six, whoever they are. They're, they're obviously, they've got a model and I feel like the financial fair play came in at the right time for them. 
So like whereas Everton had no money, where there was no restrictions and the likes of Chelsea, City could come in and spend millions and no one would bat an eyelid. Everton kind of got money at the wrong time where these implications and financial boundaries were brought in. So your likes of your Cities, your Chelsea's, they were already established football clubs achieving regular top four um, top four finishes. So they had the money to spend over and over again. Whereas Everton went balls out big time um, to start and it just hasn't worked. We've spent money believing that we're going to be a Champions League club We're at today's day and age. And unfortunately, we're finishing 10th. We're probably one of the most highly paid squads in the Premier League. So it's really, really not good reading. We need to really box clever. And Ball, made a, a fabulous point earlier on the podcast. It literally is every penny counts. So I feel that Everton are going to leave it late. Whereas you could look at, say, for example, um, Anguissa from Fulham, for argument's sake, you'd look at potentially bringing him in. And you'd be paying him 70 grand a week. Now, if you get him towards the end of the window, you actually save the 70 grand a week for the whole of the three weeks. So that's near enough 70, 210 grand saved just on leaving it to the last minute. So I feel like Everton will potentially wake up towards the end of the window. Um, obviously, Denzel Dumfries came out that we do potentially looking at a loan. Um, now, are we going to look at getting a loan with an obligation to buy or are we going to look elsewhere if they don't accept that? Because I feel like potentially I don't need, need to feel like a bit of a dampener. I feel like a big asset could potentially leave next year um, to obviously try and clear some of this overheads. And I feel like that obviously points out with Charleston. I hope that he has a brilliant year. I hope that he smashes it for us, leaves in a really good place. And then if he goes to the likes of your Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid, people like that who can obviously pay the big bucks then so be it it's one of them because we feel like we desperately need it um, but look it's it's just difficult isn't it because we I think the club were gambling on Moise Keane leaving I feel like they thought the Paris Saint-Germain were going to come in with an offer because he performed quite well there scoring over 15 goals uh, in the League One and the scoring in the Champions League and I feel like Everton expected the bid that didn't come uh, and I feel like it stalled our transfers we're still looking at getting players out the door. There's obviously links with Sean Long, Longstaff at Newcastle. Um, obviously, again, only 12 months left of his contract. Are we looking to get a cheap deal there? Um, and obviously, you look at Chelsea offering around Ross Barkley um, as a central midfielder, potentially on loan. Would it probably suit? Wouldn't be a really good opinion for the fans. And again, it's another subject that's going to completely split the fan base. But you look at how bad Everton are financially um, and how we're going to get out of this mess that we're in. And look, we still don't know how the Premier League are going to react to this Premier League sustainability, the loss. Uh, I'm led to believe we were in regular contact with them and basically telling them, look, we're, we're going to make massive losses this year and we've put a, a bit of it down to COVID. But long term, this needs sorting because it can't go on. We cannot go on spending as we are and not achieving the results that the club need to achieve in order to spend so like you look at United spending your 100, 150 million pound this year and your cities and your Chelsea's but they're getting your results they're, they're getting regular top four finishes they're winning European competitions they're getting bigger TV money they're getting bigger sponsorship because of that City are looking at sponsoring the stadium for the next 10 years with an enormous package and the Premier League probably won't bat an eyelid because they feel like it's justifiable because they are so-called big club and bring in the TV revenue so Everton need to come up with a strategy now, Mick, to go forward. I am, like any Evertonian, I am desperate for players to come through that door who are going to change us. But we've got to box clever now because it's getting in the red. 
quickly. And if we didn't have an owner like Mashiri, he was so invested. If he decided to walk tomorrow, we'd be in a lot, a lot of trouble. So I'm just glad that he said he's here for the long run and potentially get us into Bramley more than reassess and see how much the club is worth to him. Because look, at the end of the day, it's a business and he's a businessman that's losing a lot of money. So I am expecting Evan to do business. Uh, what about yourself, Mick? Are you, what are you? What are your thoughts on it all? Yeah, I think obviously it's well documented that Everton probably need to get a few out the door before we can start making some purchases. You know, we have got a little bit of money to spend. I think, again, that's been well documented, but probably a little bit reluctant to spend it until we know what's going to happen with certain players. It's been well reported. The likes of Fabian Dalf are available. You know, it's just trying to get these people out of the door and Everton's wages is quite top heavy, as we're all aware. Uh, you know, we have certain squad players that are not needed by the football club anymore and are surplus to requirements, but their wages are so high. Other clubs or any interested clubs, they're just put off by that. Um, and if you were that player, for argument's sake, I'm not picking on Fabian Dalf. I'm just going to use him as an example. Why would you leave if you were Dalf? He's coming to the end of his career. He's got a couple of years left. He's on a really good contract. It's not his fault that we've given him that contract on a high wage. That's down to the football club, the board and, and whoever else. So you can't sometimes blame the players, you know, because they're just looking after their own interests. And I think everybody would do the same, especially when you don't have an allegiance with the club you're at. And I think obviously Borley could talk a lot more about that and how it works with the players. And if you have a no, if you have no allegiance with a football club that you are at, you don't owe them anything in reality. They've given you that contract. They have to honour it. So getting these players out the door is proving very, very difficult. Um, the likes of John Joe Kenny, Fabian Delph, they're all available, as we all know, but there are few takers at the moment, um, which is then handcuffing us a little bit. Incomings, it's again, it's been reported so many times that Denzel Dumfries is, a, is still a target and and Dwight McNeil is also a target. But again, it's all how these deals can be structured, Ben, just what you've just spoke about regarding FFP and our profit and sustainability and everything else it's all about how these deals can be structured and if you were the selling team Everton are not the ideal buyer at the moment you know Everton want to put almost buy now pay later and I know it, that happens a lot with deals but some clubs i.e Burnley will want money up front to go and spend or help their books obviously coming out of a pandemic everyone's books are probably a little bit tighter than what they were going into it so not having lump sums of cash to spend is proving difficult for us. And obviously then the wage bill is is very tight by all accounts. So it, it's a difficult one. Do I think we will spend now before the end of the window? Yes, I do. Do I think it'll be a, a plus net spend? Yes, I do. I do think certain players we may miss out on though um, due to not getting players out the door quick enough. Again, I know I've said it numerous times, the club were banking on Moyes Keane going. We all know that. We were banking on a 30, 35, 40 million euro pound bid coming in from PSG. The club were, by all accounts, fully expecting it, all ready to go, and it never came. Um, it sounds like PSG have called our bluff on it and wanted a loan, which obviously doesn't suit Everton. So we're stuck with another player there who doesn't really want to be in England. He doesn't want to be at Everton. He wants to be back in France at PSG. High wages, what do we do? It's it's a very difficult one. You know, the ESC, who's been on this podcast numerous times, says, you know, Everton are on that limit of breaking the Premier League rules. And I know some people would say, well, break the rules. You know, the big six, the so-called big six did so. Everton are not like that as a football club, guys. You know, they have morals. And if we're not willing to break them, we have to abide by them. 
So without getting players out the door, it is proving difficult. But nevertheless, I do think we will spend. And I do think from now to the end of August, we will be in a stronger position. You look at Mason Holgate, he's another one today. Lee, he's been linked with Brighton. He's apparently open to a move. Would you think that Mason Holgate is maybe fourth choice centre-half now behind Mina, Keane and Godfrey? He is, Mick, yeah. But I, I go back to a point Paulie made earlier in the podcast. I think we can't let players go without a replacement coming in. And I'm looking more um, uh, towards Mason Holgate being a, a cover at right-back for Seamus Coleman. Because I don't think John Joe Kenny's up up to it. I think most Evertonians would agree with me there, and I think the manager, you know, he, he's up for sale, uh, like you, like you've just said there. So, listen, Mason Holgate's gone downhill quickly in the last 12, 18 months. I think prior to that, he was showing real promise. I think positionally, he's always been very, very suspect. His positional sense and his, his awareness is it, it's not where it needs to be to be a, a top class Premier League centre half. I think he also lacks a little bit of physicality. I don't I don't buy into this bad attitude thing. I think just because you chew a piece of gum doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a bad attitude. That's just him choosing to chew a piece of gum. Um, however, if we can command 20 million quid for him and we've got a replacement lined up and we know that we're not going to leave ourselves short, then yeah, I agree. I think he could be one that we could get rid of for the greater good, if that makes sense. I think that's the plan, Lee. I'll be honest. I think the plan is to get our ducks in order. Um, yeah. You know, let players go, bring a player in, let a player go, bring a player in. I think that makes is sense. the plan. A bit like what happened with Bernard. Bernard went and then three came in very, very quickly. I think yeah. that is the plan. Get our ducks in order, one in, one in, one in, one out and, and, and so be it. So, yeah, let's hope we do make some movements from now towards the end of the window. Moving on, guys. Southampton Saturday, first game of the season. Bawley, no Danny Ings. Ward-Prowse is still linked with Aston Villa. So that's a club there at Southampton where they're in a little bit of turmoil and their best players are maybe being cherry-picked. Is it the perfect time to play for Southampton? <laughs> well, we, yeah, we hope so, yeah, of course. Like, and No one would want to go to Goodison Park in the first game of the season, no, no matter where we are as a team or as a squad. And, um, you know, they won't be comfortable coming to Goodison for the first game of this season. Um, so, look, we've got to think about ourselves. Rafa will be obviously drilling the players from now till, till kick-off what he wants tactically-wise. And he's just got to forget about the opposition. Um, and, I, you know, really, we've always worried about the opposition, I think, far too many times in the past. But going to the... Look, Goodison's going to be bouncing. The players are going to be up for it. And just going back slightly on another subject we spoke about earlier, like we know the media always seem to be against us. So, you know, while like, the place is going to be bouncing, the guys there are going to be negative and booing, we know the media is going to be all over it. And, you know, that's going to come back and make us look, you know, bad as a club and, you know, look, look a bit bitter. Look, we're not like that. We want Everton to be successful. And fingers crossed, we will be. And we've got an opportunity to put a smile on 40,000 plus fans on Saturday and it's up to the players and Rafa to do that and fingers crossed they can um, and we, to be honest opposition never really bothers me um, even when you're playing against the top sides you know what you need to do personally yourself and as I said earlier on you, you're drilling every day at Finch Farm so you know what level you need to be at you know what your teammates should be doing um, and it's up to them being leaders and demanding from each other and if you work as a team as a pack that you should go on with football games with 40,000 behind you screaming your name so yeah, 
it is a good time to play Southampton if I'm answering your question because they don't want to become to Goodison for the first game of the season with the amount of pressure and you know 18 months of not going to Goodison. Um, they're going to have a, a bit of a, a stark war and with that the siren goes off Zed Cars comes on and, and it's game time it's game face time and it's up to the players to, to come out with the three points so look, I'm just looking forward to it and it's like Christmas again isn't it you're just sort of counting the days and waiting for it to, to come and every every day you're waking up and it just seems to be the slowest week ever mm. so yeah come on let's um, we know it hasn't been the perfect summer for us but we look we've had worse so let's get on with it let's get behind the boys and fingers crossed we get three points Mm, Bawley, it is like Christmas, but before we move on to predictions for Southampton, who are you going to watch uh, in the evenings now? What are you going to watch, Love Island or the football? <laughs> I'm, I'm on the verge of resigning from this podcast. 50% of this podcast is on, on Love Island. Come on, Bawley, we've got five minutes on our own. <laughs> I was like, you're trying to cut me short. I'm going to drag on it. Let's talk about... <laughs> Guys, so predictions, Southampton at home. Ben, I'll start with you. No Danny Ings, Ward-Prowse still linked with Aston Villa, Everton in their own little world and own little turmoil. Predictions, thoughts? Give it to us. Um, look, I feel like Everton are going to get the win. It's going to be a very emotional, special Goodison atmosphere. Uh, I feel like the crowd are going to be well up for it. Um, so I really feel like we're going to put a really good performance in. I feel like the players, some of them, will be up for it. Um, and I feel like we'll see... A few surprise uh, performances from some players. I think the likes of Damari Gray will be exciting. Hopefully, he gets he gets the start, gets the nogs. I really want to see him live. Didn't have the chance to see him at Man United, but everyone that I spoke to said he was direct, he was quick, he was energetic. So, I'm going to go for um, a 2 0 win, Mick. It's going to be um, a good game of football, solid. Uh, we're going to go 1 0 up in the first half and then get a goal in the second half and leave Goodison very happy. Um, and we can have a nice, happy Saturday on the podcast. Mm. Lee, prediction, thoughts? Thoughts? I just can't wait. Like everyone said, you know, it's just a huge event for, for me personally, for every Evertonian out there. I just can't. I just hope this week goes really, really quick. And I can't wait for that feeling waking up on Saturday morning, that little split second where you forget. And then you think, oh, yeah, it's match day and, and having that again. Everything that goes with it. Can't wait. I hope it's a special occasion, but more importantly, we get the three points, and I think we will. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game um, for the reasons that I've mentioned earlier. I, I can see a 1-0 win. I think we'll get an early goal, and I think it'll be quite tight and cagey, just with players finding the feet and stuff with, with maybe new ideas and stuff. So I can't see it being a really fluid, you know, top-notch performance. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I can just see a 1-0 Everton win. Bowley, what's your prediction? You've popped yourself on mute, mate. I, I've done that on purpose, so you miss Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's 8.59. Get a move on. <laughs> well, let's talk about the first five minutes. Um, <laughs> now, look, yeah, I think I think Lee's spot on. I think it's going to be, a, it could be a close game. Um, and I, I feel that we're, we're going to be sort of in between tactics of old Carlo and, and Rafa's situation and, um, but I just think we're going to be more forward thinking. I think we're going to force the issue a bit more with the crowd behind us. We'll be asking the players questions and I think the ball will be going longer and into their final third of the pitch. So I think we're going to probably score from set pieces. So I'm going to, I'm going to say 2-0 to the Blues. 2-0 to the Blues. And I'm going to... Theo Walcott's first game for Southampton against Yeah, you know what's long. coming. I'm going to go 2-1 Everton. Yeah, and it's written in the stars that Walcott's going to score at Goodison. So I'll go 2-1 Everton. <laughs> 
Ben, Bawley Lee, thanks for joining us as always. Guys, we will be back Sunday for post-match analysis of Everton versus Southampton. Let's hope we are talking about a victory and three points. In the meantime, enjoy the game, enjoy Goodison, soak up the atmosphere and we'll see you Sunday. Take care and all the very best. Thank you.